You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. Thank you. Suddenly fired. You know who that was? Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Yes, very tall. So is I. Yes. Clint Eastwood. I get mistaken for Clint Eastwood all the time. Oh my god. Welcome back, everybody, to 80s Revisited, second time going down under, oh yeah, to see Crocodile Dundee Part 2. I'm your host, Trey Harris. With me, as always, my loyal producer. Yes, I am. Why are you talking like that, Walt? Just a second. Anyway. That was a bad Asian (laughs) accent for Asian people. (laughs) Yeah. Let's let's move past it. Let's forget (laughs) about it. May 25th, 1988, a little over two years after the first one. Uh, sequel comes out IMDb 5.5 Rotten Tomatoes 11% critics 38% audience so not mm. well liked critically or commercially I disagree as a child uh, budget was 15.8 million in Australian dollars again couldn't get any American figures on that and was too lazy to convert it mm. uh, it opened for 2 million domestically however it still grossed over 100 million came in at 109 worldwide pfft, 239 million, Reynolds 57 million. So again, despite being not well received as the first one, which sequels seldom are, it pretty much was a blockbuster, just like the first one, though not as much. Uh, Jesse's actually converting it right here <laughs> on the fly. 12.6. 12.6 million American. <laughs> yeah. God, if you had some uh, Australian uh, American money to invest in Australia, you'd get like. <laughs> Making some money on that exchange rate. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this one was directed by John Cor- uh, Cornell. He was uh, one of the writers and the producer of the first one. He pretty much directed one other thing, which I didn't recognize, so I didn't even fucking include it on my list. Nice. Uh, this one was written by Paul Hogan, Crocodile Dundee himself, and I believe his brother, Brett Hogan, because I just assume to say the same last name, they're probably the same. They're probably brothers. Just uh. call it a... Those other guys didn't want to come back, huh? I guess. They're like, no, oh, the first one was good enough. Yeah. We're done with this story. But or no. Paul was like, no, it's mine. It's like, I ain't got nothing else to do Hollywood, mate. Yeah. I got to do something. Lightning Jack's still a few years down the road. <laughs> Third Crocodile Dundee. I can't come before we have the second one. We got to do something, man. Anyway, enough of my bad Australian accent. Uh, <laughs> all the cast returns for the most part. Paul Hogan, Linda Kowalski, John Mellian as Walt, uh, Charles S. Dutton. The great Charles S. Dutton's in this one is, uh, what was it, Leroy. Of course, you might recognize him as the janitor from Rudy that inspired Samwise Gamgee to go back, <laughs> join that team, make that tackle at the end, and everybody home yep. or in the theater stands up and cheers because that's one of those mo- movie moments, Rocky moments, I guess would be the best way to put it, where you just you can't help but have a smile on your face in that moment of that movie. But his character is honestly the heart and soul of that film. Uh, Jeez, he's done a lot. Oh yeah! In fact, uh, character actors. A couple of the actor, a couple of character actors. There are many. This film is a plethora of character actors, as we shall see. Uh, uh, Charles S. Dutton was also in Alien Three. He was uh, uh, kind of the uh, 
philosophical inmate in Alien 3, <laughs> uh, along with Tywin Lannister was Dylan. in that, if you haven't seen that in a while. Uh, Tywin Lannister is in Alien 3. He's the uh, one in there from, he's the doctor for malpractice. Uh, mm. Hector Ubari was Luis Rico. Uh, he was also in Major Pain, didn't do much else. Juan Fernandez was Miguel. Uh, he was in A Man Apart with Vin Diesel, but the other movie I only remember him from, aside from Crocodile Dundee 2, because he's kind of weird looking, he's the henchman, the main henchman, uh, but he was the dude in the beginning of True Lies that goes into the restaurant with the bomb on him and blows up. Mm. That's the only other thing I personally mm. remember him from. And two very particular and recognizable character actors, in addition to Charles S. Dutton, uh, Louise Giesman, mm-hmm. was Jose, Boogie Nights, The Last Stand, Carlito's Way, he is... Uh, if it's not an, even if it is an action movie, actually they put him in there instead of Danny Trejo. I guess if you can't get Danny Trejo, you get Louise Guzman. Or if it's not, <laughs> if it's not as a main of a character, there you don't need a Danny Trejo, you get Louise Guzman. Uh, and also Stephen Root. This was his first film. He was the DEA agent in the toilet that uh, Mick comes and threatens he's to cut his manhood right off. Now. Yeah, he's he's done a bit. He's done he's some done things. Voice uh, acting. He has like over, I think, like almost 200 credits. Like him, Louise, and Charles has done all like over 100 credits each. Uh, It's coming up on it. And uh, Stephen Root, of course, if you don't know who we're talking about, Office Space, where's his red stapler? Uh, He was in Dodgeball, The Lone Ranger, Lady Killers, and most recently, you can go to the theater right now and see him in Selma. Which, according according to all these people, should have gotten all these Oscar nominations that it didn't get. But I don't know because I ain't seen the movie. Uh, The Hill. Yeah. I mean, he's. (laughs) You have seen Root, Guzman, and Dutton. Like, if right. you don't recognize who we're talking about, if you saw them in a movie, like, you've se- I guarantee you've seen them at least in eight <laughs> movies. Yeah. I mean, you basically have the token black guy, the token Mexican, and the token uh, wasp actors <laughs> all in the same movie. All you're missing is the uh, the dude from uh, Die Hard and uh, Big Trouble, the token Asian guy. I forgot his name. Something, oh, I can see his face. From Big Trouble. You know, I'm talking about the Asian guy that was in like an Asian henchman in almost every 80s action. Jeez, movie. I don't know. Al Long. Al Long. Or spelled Leong. L E O N G. Yeah, spelled it right. <laughs> okay. Of the lethal, time, yeah, Lethal yes. Weapon. He was the torturer in Lethal Weapon. He yeah. was uh, Genghis Khan in Bill and Ted's, which we talked about not too long ago. I mean, nowadays, not so much. Yeah, but... I mean, he's old now. Like, he's like, uh, he's like pretty old pushing it. Good God. He, 50, he, yeah, he's he like. He still matches some parts that yeah. <laughs> with the look like that. <laughs> Old man, look. You know, there's a. These are the actor. These are the actors that are famous for their ethnicity roles, ethnic yeah. roles, mainly because they're just. I mean, nowadays you this have uh, what the guy from uh, Kumar. Elton oh Kumar. yeah, he's always you know both <laughs> of them. Asian guy. Both of them. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but anyway, Crocodile Dundee two, the sequel to Crocodile Dundee. Obviously, uh, as I mentioned last week, this one uh, I remember seeing this film in the theater. I, as a kid, I just loved it because naturally I liked the first one. Uh, as a kid, I always liked the second one more, more action, more of a, definitely more of an action comedy than a comedy drama, as the first one was. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, Mick putting his outback skills to use in the Big Apple, mm. you know, tying up the dude and then jumping out and going through another window, which you've seen, you know, Indiana Jones do, you've seen Robin Hood do, you've seen uh, Dark Man do. Uh, you know, classic. Just a lot of, you know, entertaining things. Uh, almost honestly, this was sort of what I would have, you know, as a kid, I wanted, or I got out of the first one that I wanted to see more of, so to speak, if that makes any sense. Like more of the action 
esque, which is as a kid, why I like this one a lot more. As an mm. adult, eh, revisiting it, it's still entertaining to me. I mean, Paul Hogan, you know, Crocodile Needs a good character. But now it's you're doing the reverse that you had plot that you had in the first one, like we talked about. It's not yeah. taking the country boy out of the country into the city. You're taking the country boy out of the city into the country, where then other people are coming there and he's on his turf. Uh, you know, it's the other side of the Tarzan story, or actually, it's the end of the tar- the second half of the Tarzan story, where he <laughs> yeah. goes back to the jungle. Very similar to the '90s classic George of the Jungle with Brendan Fraser. Yes, how. You know, he goes to they New York. the exact same thing. Yeah. Which is an excellent movie, might I add. One of the Frasier's best, in my opinion. Watch out for that tree. That movie is great. John <laughs> Cleese is a monkey. Voice of the monkey. Brendan <laughs> Fraser. I believe it was a gorilla. Yeah. Well, I mean, is a gorilla not a monkey? Is it not technically a monkey? No. My wife's shaking so. her head. I looked. I only looked at her, not Jesse, because she knows everything. <laughs> He's an ape. So, wait, yeah. didn't we have this discussion before? All, monke- all monkeys are apes, yes. but not all apes are monkeys? Monkeys have apes. Okay. 80s revisited at gmail.com. This is primates revisited, as we <laughs> talk about our experiences with different primates. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Apes, monkeys have tails, apes do not. Hmm. So, I was trying to think quickly of an example to where I could quiz you, but every monkey or primate I could think of either does, clearly has a tail <laughs> or no tail. So does that mean we're prime? Uh, we're apes. So we didn't. So so further shooting holes in people's stupid I- ideas when they say we didn't. I didn't evolve evolve from no monkey. That's right, because you evolve evolve from apes. Yeah. So there you go. Somebody uses that. So they were right. <laughs> yeah. It's like I oh, know that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> no, no, we didn't evolve from monkeys. Yeah. We came from apes. I didn't evolve from no monkey. No apes. You're not listening to what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> this is this be a whole scene in a movie. Copyright, 80s revisit. Because we're full of good ideas. But anyway, uh, watching this again, still really liked it. Not as good as the first when you watch it again, but it's a, it's a good 80s action comedy. Because, uh, of course, now Crocodile Dundee's fighting drug dealers in the outback. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, is this, it would, uh, I was going to give some sort of diehard example, but it really doesn't work because his natural environment, in a sense, is where he was fighting them anyway. An urban environment, so uh, yeah, it's sort of like actually, you know what? It's kind of a funny, well, maybe not funny to you, but hmm. it's almost like Predator copied Crocodile Dundee for their movies because it starts off the first ones, no, reverse it, excuse me, and it starts off in the jungle. Never mind, I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I was trying to make some sort of cool comparison. It just doesn't work out. Forget nope. I said that. Never. It didn't. It. I. It, it, I was way off. I once I thought it through, I realized I should stop talking about it. Yeah. And then clarify why I did that. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you seen part two? I would assume Jesse or <sighs> never seen it or memories don't spark on this one like the first one. Yeah, uh, I mean, of course, the first one's more well known, honestly, because of this just the iconic scenes in it. Yeah. Whereas this one's you know more the same but in reverse. Uh, there's no really sexy bathing suit scene like in the first one, mm. but much more comedic. Uh, you know, Crocodile Dundee is storming a mansion in New York. He's going to bars, uh, leading gangs of thugs. He's in the outback throwing snakes and calling bats and all sorts of stuff. But really, still really fun. It's further exploring the mythology, quote-unquote, of <laughs> the character. Not that there needs to be much for this character, but it's still an entertaining movie. It's on Netflix. should still be on Netflix. Oh. Definitely worth watching. Excuse me, especially uh, if you like the first one, you should like this one. Again, not as good as the first one. But uh, that's really much all to say about it. There's really not much even uh, about the sequel, except like they made a lot of money. They made another one. 
pretty much. But uh, this was interesting about some of the trivia about it. Uh, the, and again, of course, we grew up in the 80s, but ain't like we watched the news and the internet wasn't relevant. You know, a lot of stuff you kind of learn after the fact nowadays with the uh, ability to get knowledge on certain things that you had no way to get back then. But I didn't know this until today. But there was apparently there was controversy as to whether or not Crocodile Dundee was considered a crocodile poacher because of his use of a rifle to catch fish was never, never confirmed in the first movie. So the writers decided to start part two showing him fishing with dynamite, which is a legitimate way of fishing in the outback that's not considered poaching. Uh. So they were like, and it, honestly, I think this controversy is simply because the writers are Australian. and like, hey, if we show him shooting stuff, that means he's a poacher. But if he blows it up with dynamite, he's not. Something that American audiences that need a quotation marks around Crocodile to think that the guy on the cover is not Crocodile Dundee, or is, is or isn't Crocodile Dundee, they had to throw that in there. Hmm. And also, I'll be honest with you guys, the trivia on this podcast is a slow news day. There's, <laughs> there's not much to talk about Perfectly behind funny. the scenes. Uh, uh, Colin Quinn had a small part in this film, like a background talent type thing. And he actually wrote the script to give himself a larger role, which doesn't surprise me because Colin Quinn's a dick. Uh <laughs> And his treatment was not used. That's how the, the trivia. There's like not much to talk about this film aside it's a sequel to Crocodile <laughs> that I'm resorting to trivia about Colin Quinn. Uh-huh. I hate Colin Quinn. Colin Quinn. I absolutely hate him. That's my story. I'm sticking to worst weekend update anchor of all time. <laughs> Colin Quinn. Never like it was. That was a dark time for SNL when he He's was made some bad decisions update. though, which would make you happy. He was supposed to be uh, in uh, Austin Powers in Seth Green's role. He's supposed to play. Oh God! Yeah. How would that even have worked? He's like older than Mike Myers. Well, Mike Myers came up to him and says, "I want you to do this part." And he was like, "No, that's a silly idea." And bye bye. <laughs> yeah. And he missed out on yeah a whole lot. Now Colin was like, "Hey, can I be in the third one? Can I be in the second one?" <laughs> yeah. Nope. Let me tell you a little story about a man named. Sh- yeah. <laughs> ha ha, Colin Quinn. I laugh at your misfortune. You're still <laughs> got more money than I'll probably ever have. Fuck you. Unf- Unfunny comedian. Oh, he's I mean, grown-ups and grown-ups, too. Wow. I mean, but all things considered, he's... How many credits does he have, like, total? I mean, he's probably in a writing room every once in a while, but... But he's not... How can an unfunny person write? Well, he wrote on Living Color. That's shocking. Not that every <laughs> every skit in Living Color was funny, but, I mean, right. 90% of them were. Well, there you go. Well, well I guess he blew his load then. I never he? had a problem with him. Um, I just didn't, I never sought him out, but I heard him on a podcast once. He was all right. Let me let me let me ex, let me let me make sure it's established. <laughs> I don't didn't like him on Saturday Night Live. Okay, and I just like this guy is not funny. He's like the David Spade, but like worse. Just did not like him nah, whatsoever. I don't never like, laughed at him. I'll take Colin Quinn over David Spade. <laughs> I would honestly probably take David Spade over Colin Quinn, well, and I don't like David. <laughs> my one of my wife's favorite movies is Joe Fucking Dirt. Well, it's coming back. Yeah, and, and she's <laughs> ecstatic about it. And she's like, oh, it's, it's like... filming local. What were we watching last I think night? they're done. We were it. watching American Sniper, and he pulls up to his house in the beginning, and she's like, that looks like the house from Joe Dirt. I'm like, I wouldn't know that. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't give a shit about Joe Dirt. Which, that's her film. Oh, she loves geez. it. I like bad movies, too. We can agree on most films, but not 5. Joe 9. Dirt. Yeah, this is one that played like over and over again on whatever... It still comes on. on. Like every, it I'll, does, I'll, yeah. I will catch her every time it comes on. She'll watch it. That, that's <laughs> fine. That's her film. Uh, I like Brittany I'm, Daniel. She's nice. Yeah, she's nice to look at. <laughs> Especially in. Um, oh, she's in Sunny. 
Carmen. Club Dread. That's the one. She's the tranny from Car. Yeah. <laughs> what? When, baby, let me let me te- let me tell you my thought process. I am listening at hundred percent. Then you say the words Joe Dirt, and it's just boop. it's like, and then I just zone out till you say something else. But yeah, she's a trainee from yeah. If you said the trainee from Sunny, I would know exactly what you're talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. from Sunny. But I mean, I mean, come on, Joe Dirt, Kid Rock's in it. I mean, I know. Just, uh, I can't do it. But enjoy. Your, I'm glad you like Jamie it, baby. Presley. Of course, she I don't mind her. Yeah, I hate like her voice, that. but. Anyway, <laughs> enough, enough, enough about Joe Dirt, because Walken's in. Right, right. But uh, that's about it. Anyway, Crocodile Dundee. Well, actually, we need stuff to fill this podcast with, because <laughs> there's not much to say about Crocodile Dundee, right. too. Ten minutes of Walken impressions. Let's go. <laughs> uh, and then we lost every listener we yeah. ever had at that. That's the moment. Wow. It was like the finger poke of doom <laughs> in WCW. Uh, the film is heavily influenced by the Rambo films. I remember Because uh, Dundee uses his hunting skills. In the outback on the drug cartel that kidnapped Sue, so which explains how I was talking earlier about you know how it was much more action oriented and as a kid like this one more because it's more that you know it's the Rambo light yeah it's the PG Rambo trash Crocodile can, Dundee putting but, trash cans on people's heads and stuff like that yeah. but had Crocodile <laughs> Dundee been in our hundred person arena and met up fast. with John Rambo he'd been like Rambo would have had his knife he'd be like that's not a knife oh wait it is right. <laughs> he's dead. Unless they were in a subway, you know. And there's area. two Asians able to help, you know, with karate, <laughs> able to help. John Rambo's picture, but, he turns around. You know, no offense, uh, no offense to the Asians, but Rambo's killed a lot of Asians, so I think he'd be able to handle them. Yeah. Just saying, I'm just, I'm just reporting what was in the movies. <laughs> the last, the fourth one in part two, he's killing nothing but Asians in those movies. Did you hear the title of the next Rambo movie? I think I did, but I'm wait to, I won't say it. I'll let you confirm. Last Blood. Yeah. Yeah. Which. At first, I thought it's cheesy, but okay, I'll you know I'll do it. It's not that it's cheesy, but it's not like it. It's Rambo you're talking about, so it works. Right. I still think they should not make it four ended perfectly. He goes home. What he was trying to do from First Blood happened at the end of Yeah Rambo. That there's nothing more to tell now. To me, it's milking it because I'm making another Rocky. Yeah. And I, I, I was against Rocky Balboa. I was like, God, five was so bad. Like they don't need to make another one. This plot sounds stupid. Rocky they Balboa, closed it. it closed it. It closed the book. It did. It did what it. It. I didn't think it would be able to do. Now we're making another one. We'll come back. Give me a, isn't it uh, Creed? Is that what it's supposed to be? Because I heard about that, and then like he's supposed to be a coach or something. Rocky or yeah, is it him? Coat? Is it Rocky Balboa coaching Creed's grandson? Yeah, I, I don't know how how big of a character he'll be though. So I guess that kind of affects it. I would imagine he's going to be like the Mickey character. Ah, uh, yeah. Go up. Does it show like Oh, look who's in this. In the- Louise Guzman. There you go. <laughs> Louis. He's, he's in Creed. Wait, go, go. I just want to see who's writing and directing it. Oh, him. Of, I would, oh, no. I would have thought him. It's probably still on for characters, yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. That's shocking to me that he's not in a movie off. that he's not directing or yeah. having a hand in writing, especially because it's characters he created. He posted a picture of his, like, his computer <laughs> and... Workstation. He's like, this is where the screenwriting happens. That was Who's Stallone? Or yeah, <laughs> it's like obviously not. Was it like an old <laughs> DOS computer? <laughs> yeah, his old word processor. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna see it. Oh, Felicia Rashad and Miss Cosby herself's in it. Oh, wait, rumored. Sorry, try to get your hopes up, guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's I'm a pretty heavy it. rumor. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm gonna see it, but it's just like he 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 did what I don't think anybody thought he would be able to do, and that's kind of like really do a good job of bookending two of the greatest franchises in cinema history. 
Uh, and now, mm. now it's just like you should uh, stick to his new franchise. Yeah, I mean, but make a good, ex- you know, forget Expendables three happened and make a, a new one. Make a good ex- four. You mean? <laughs> oh wow, three already happened. I know three sucked. That's what I'm saying. Like it, it was so bad. <laughs> I didn't see two even. Two, was, I, I thought two was better one. than the first one. To be honest with you, oh, wow. more action at least. And of course, Van Damme's a villain. So, I saw a clip of three, and I was it just sucks. like, it looked like it was shot with a DSLR, it, it, and all these effects were I, garbage. I think they blew all their budget on the cast because you got Harrison Ford, Banderas, Gibson, uh, you know, and, and they all do great. But then, like a big plot of half of the movie, a big chunk of the movie is the new kid, like the young kids that Stallone brings in because the other the Expendables basically break up. Right. And he brings in these young kids. They get captured. And he has to get the Expendables back together to go get them out. <laughs> It's a big circular plot that's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> oh wow! But again, Lundgren steals the show because he's like he's like the tech guy in the group. But then when the young kids with him, he's like, "Yeah, I got all this stuff that he can do." Like, and Lundgren's like, "Yeah, you know, I can do that." You know, and then like <laughs> you have to see it because I mean, it's it's worth watching, but it's it's not a solid trilogy. You know, it's like Crocodile Dundee. It's not a solid trilogy. Jesus. Uh, again, great cast. Banderas is awesome in it. Like the again, the action's good, but the effects are so like dialed in like bad smoke and explosion effects and who's the young people are they actual decent people no like or are they just in there shortly and out they're like in and they all of course once they're rescued they all team up to get out you know what i'm saying uh, okay so it's it's, it's the not, younger people it's dumb like okay. it, it's it I, I go you go to the expendables to see the old guys kicking ass right. i don't you don't you know unless they're doing it to where like they're handing a torch off so to speak then well then you better get you know I hate to say it, you know, Channing Tatum, Chris Hemsworth, need to get the young action stars, The Rock, get them in the film, and then hand it off to the actual people making action movies today, not these nobodies that are not going to be in much of anything else. He must be a nice guy. <laughs> no way anybody could get this big of a cast I mean, look to at be that on the screen list. at the oh, same and, time. Oh, and Snipes was in it. I was excited for Snipes because I've, I've always been a fan yeah. of Wesley Snipes. I mean, Blade Trinity notwithstanding. Uh, I mean, he's because he, he's a real martial artist. He's a, you know, he's a... He was a great villain in Demolition Man. Uh, and I'm like, oh, Snipes is in it. Hell yeah. He's in it. Like, he, he's, he's, they break him out of jail in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he has, like, a couple other scenes, like, very minor. This is our Back to the Future segment, or part of it. Yeah, part of it. <laughs> Since we've you been know? going off for it. Well, hell, you know, if, if there are doing Expendables 4, get Paul Hogan. I bet you can get him for fucking cheap. Yeah, that's true. You know, I, I, got a, I got a contact in Australia. You can hook us up. <laughs> Hi, mate. He's, yeah. They still call you crocodile, and they got to. Oh, slip now that they call me Dango thing. now. Yeah, yeah, like your knife. You still got your knife, and like they see. There you yeah. go. We're writing it for you right now, yeah. Stallone. <laughs> Genius. Uh. What can I say? But anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> looking back at Crocodile Dundee too, however, uh, it's still worth watching, revisiting it. Uh, as a kid, again, I'd pro- what uh, I probably rented this one more. Just be- mm-hmm. again, it's more action based. It's more yeah. entertaining. Uh, if you're in the mood for that, you know, there's two very different tones in the, in the first two Crocodile Dundees. As a kid, you know, it'd be like an eight or a nine to me. Like, loved it to death. This was the Crocodile Dundee I loved. But as an adult, you know, it's, it's still good. It's still entertaining, but it's, yeah, it's not like the first one. It's, it's not something, I can see why the first one made a lot of money, because it really is, it's got a good heart to it. This one's just capitalizing on that character and exposing the, you know, the testosterone-fueled side of it, whereas the first one's like, a cute, you know, comedy love story. Now, right. I give it a six today, which uh, you know, it's still good. It's still worth seeing. It's on Netflix. If you like the first one, watch the second one. You'll enjoy it. Uh, mm. In the real world, on May twenty fifth, nineteen eighty eight, two days after this film debuted, 
At the box office, Microsoft released Windows 2.1. Ooh. And they're and about they to just, release 10 for yeah, free. They just so. announced it. Well, free for a year <laughs> to oh. people who had seven or eight. Okay, now, did you read like a whole article about it or anything? I did not, but okay. uh, yeah, I read headlines. Now, are they saying it's free for a year and then after you install it, after you have to pay for it? Or it's free for I don't a year? Because I've always saw that thing that it said for a year. Um, maybe it's for a year you can finally switch or something. Okay, yeah. So I'm, you know, well, you I know, know why they want them to switch to ten. It's because that's where the the new store is. Kind of yeah. like Apple has the App Store, mm-hmm. Microsoft Store. That's where they're going to make their money. Probably, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that was the way the world was in 1988. Mm. Uh, back to the Future, same thing this week like we did. We already had a little taste of it already in the podcast, but uh, some recent movies that we've seen mm. kind of steer you towards or away from them. Uh, the first one, we talked, you know, we were kind of going over some before the podcast. Uh, we both seen Into the Woods, the latest Stephen Sondheim film yeah. to be made into a movie. Uh, and of course, we just, you know, it was released a couple weeks ago. They're going to make Wicked finally for all these people that mm. want to see Wicked. Uh, and I discovered something about myself watching Into the Woods. Uh, first of all, I like Broadway, like movies based on Broadway shows, like yeah. Family of the Opera. The movie's pretty good. Things Rent's really good. You wouldn't be able to see otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Hedwig, the movie Hedwig. Now, now it's on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Movie's fantastic. Music's fantastic. Right, there's a movie. Hedwig, yeah. I haven't seen it. I have to give it to you. Uh, but that's a, oh no, it's from like the nineties. I want to say. Oh well, because uh, I, I I didn't I came across it in college. Like oh this movie's great. You know it's it's kind of weird, but it's you know. Uh, the music's great, and then like, oh my god, this is awesome. Hmm. What year was it? Oh, 2001, really? 2001. Oh, yeah, that makes sense because I graduated in 98. I was in college. Yeah, so. Okay. But uh, And of course, John Cameron Mitchell, the guy who wrote, uh, directed, and starred in the original Off-Broadway show and the movie, just took over, as a matter of fact, last night on the Broadway show. Oh. Uh, so he's the actual originator is on Broadway right now doing the show. And that voice you hear, because she's not getting close to the mic like I told her to. She's on a chair with wheels. She can easily move close to the mic. On opening night, he got five standing ovations, is what she said. Right. Uh, But anyway, uh, what I discovered about myself watching Into the Woods was, I really don't give a shit about Stephen Sondheim. His (laughs) musical, uh, this is me, his musicals fucking suck. I've seen Wicked, I've seen Sweeney Todd, the movie, I've seen the play Wicked, I've seen the movie Sweeney Todd, I've seen the movie Into the Woods, and... I don't like a damn one of them. <laughs> and I, and I'll hear it now. Here. His his style's kind of uh, when you hear a Sondheim song, it's like, oh, that's obviously a Sondheim song. Yeah, because it all, sucks. They all sound alike. Um, there are ones like Assassins. I want to see that, or at least listen to the soundtrack because I know it's not a movie. Or was it a movie? I know it's a, there was some inspiration in Red X from Assassins. Really? Okay. Because yeah. I, once I heard the plot of that, I wanted to at least get the cast album. The opening song it. inspired one of the songs in Red X, for sure. Like, helped me. Y- mm-hmm. You won't hear it, but <laughs> but I know, you know, because I, I don't like copying. But, you know. Yeah, because, I mean, the th- here's what determines if I like a musical. If after I've seen it, there's a song, at least a song or two that I can, I, I'm like, God, I want to hear that song again. I want to hear it. Uh, the first time I saw Ren, immediately after watching the movie, when a, the next day went to Best Buy and bought it, you know, downloaded mm-hmm. the soundtrack. Fan of the opera. My parents took us to see that at the Tanger, uh, Tanger, <laughs> the Sanger Theater in New Orleans <laughs> yeah, uh, before it got nice rebuilt and flooded. 
Tanger uh, Outlet. Theater. And after watching it, like, just mine was blown. The music, like, you know, it, there's there's those songs that you hear. You hear the first notes, and you automatically, oh, like, God, I, this song sounds like, this is interesting. And then, like, you hear it, this song is amazing. This is one of like, my favorite open songs. open your eyes and rest. Yeah, you know, that was, that was when you played <laughs> me the song, so I was like, God, this is, like, good stuff. Like, I like these songs. This might work. But, uh, like, for example, like, Fame of the Opera, like, 90% of the songs in there I think are good songs and I can, you know, I'll, I'll sing them. I'll listen to the soundtrack. Mm. Same thing with Rent. Hedwig, every single song. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other problems offhand. Can't think of any. Uh, but, um, or musicals in general. Repo, the genetic opera, like, you know, with a rock beat, you know, with more metal and industrial, like, so many good songs on it. Uh, Sweeney fucking Todd. Uh, maybe one song that I care about or that's, you know, the song he's singing on the boat, you know, it's kind of sinister. It's more of right. sin filled with shit. And that's the only song I fucking remember. Oh, and the best poise in London, which isn't a good song. It was an annoying song. <laughs> and that's the reason I remember it. But uh, like uh, Wicked, the only thing I remember from that song is the Defying Gravity song. And that is a good song. Wait, he did Wicked? Yeah, I think. No. He, didn't he? I'm pretty sure. Sondheim? Oh, Schwartz, Stephen Schwartz, not Sondheim. Yeah. Excuse me. I'm sorry, Stephen <laughs> Schwartz. I compared you to Stephen Sondheim, which you may think that's a good thing or a bad thing. You got, you know, you got these SS names. They're confusing. Okay, forget Wicked. Uh, Did the scores for Pocahontas? The Disney Hunchback. film? Yeah. Oh, he's good. I, like, I, I think <laughs> Hunchback and Notre Dame, I think, is one of the most underrated Disney films. Though, uh, but Alan Menken. Okay, th- that even proves my point even further, because... Sweeney Todd, there ain't a damn song on it that I like. <laughs> now, that's not saying the songs are bad, per se, or like perform bad or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. It's just, it's a musical, but the music's not connecting to me. Right. Into the Woods was fucking garbage to me. You know, I'm not a musician, but I do believe that I have a good appreciation for music. I can, mm-hmm. I can if I, even if a song I don't like, I hear it, I can appreciate that it's a good singer, or oh, that guitar line's really good, or, or I like it, blah, blah, blah. I can see the good points. But... Everything about this movie, I thought it was just dumb. Like, the plot wasn't necessarily bad, like, of the thing about, you know, connecting the nursery, the fairy tales. I think it belongs but it was on stage. Probably. Um, if it's going to survive at any... I mean, it was from 1987 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has survived, obviously. But what I saw in the in the movie theater was... I think they were trying to make it look like on stage because that was obviously just a studio. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the woods had no depth to it whatsoever. It's like, oh, well, this is the only way we're going to get these people yeah. in the same building. The opening shot when they're seeing the end of the woods song, all like four characters are walking into the woods at the same point. Like the dude couldn't just say red coat, cow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The other, you know, the other thing you need, like right there, problem solved. Right. Like it was just done. Like, well, then you don't have a movie. <laughs> which would have been a good thing in this yeah. case because then it could have been over. Yeah. Because, uh, and like I will not see a Stephen Sondheim like movie adapta- adaptation again, except Assassins because the the story. What I, when I researched that one, what I, it was about, I, I was it. interested in it. I would I would see that one just because of the content. He did Company, which we were talking about earlier. But I, like I have no yeah. desire. Like everything I've seen by him, in my opinion, is not good. I don't like it. Sweeney Todd succeeds because of it's a Tim Burton film, so it's good to look at. Oh, another one I was trying to think of earlier, Les Mis. Didn't know anything about Les Mis till we saw the movie Christmas Day two years ago, whatever. Blown away. Loved it to death. You know, still sing the songs. Uh, we were in Paris, uh, I mean, in England and all that, uh, for our, our trip and all that. Like, oh, like, you know, some of the places they were and they showed in the film mm-hmm. were like Russell Crowe saying, like, I'm going to go sit there and like belt out a few lines in public. You know, that kind of stuff. It, stick, it st- stuck with me. It was good. It left an impression. His, uh, according to Playbill.com, his number one best song is Send In The Clowns, which 
You should be familiar with that. Yeah, one. I've heard yeah. that song. I don't know. He did it. Yeah. But it's again, it Simpsons. It's not like a song that I'll put on a playlist. I mean, I could pull up my no, playlist no, no, right no, now, no. and I got songs from it musicals. It meant something on it. in that moment, mm-hmm. though. Yeah, that's Broadway Baby uh, number two, which I can't even think of. Is that look like Amy Yasbeck, John, former Miss John Renner? Um, I don't know who that is. Yeah, but see, like you know, he's you know in the South Park episode when they have a lot of composers, like they have Sondheim and Lloyd Webber and Elton John and. Then not while I'm around from uh, Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I, I, you know, I, uh, you know, the Opera is like the first one I ever saw. Like my parents played it a lot because they, they fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I like, you know, that's a story I related to, you know, it's lost love that you can never have and you want it so bad and blah, you know, blah, 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 blah. But it's like Into the Woods is just like, this is just dumb. This is, just, I'm just watching like, uh, <laughs> I'm on my phone the whole time. <laughs> like just you know looking up hit you know just trying to figure out you know getting some behind the scenes stuff on it about right. like how old it you know who did it you know all that kind of stuff and it's just like I'm not about I do not like Stephen Sondheim don't like him at all not a single song by him what I put anywhere near some of the other songs from the other musicals that I've mentioned most of which yeah. are Andrew Lloyd Webber so I'm an Andrew Lloyd Webber fanboy I don't care at least he makes songs that are good. <laughs> I know, like I can, I can just hear the theater people. Oh my God, no! Sometimes genius, blah blah blah. Like, hey, it's just my opinion, okay? And you're fucking wrong. Send in that opinion. We want to read them. Let me know what you think of Sondheim. But I mean, you saw it. I mean, you're a different side of the coin. I mean, and uh, yeah. you know, and I mean, the movie itself, though. Uh, as far as the music goes, the only track that stood out in that thing was um, when they're blaming each other. Mm-hmm. That's it. That was the only one. Yeah, see, and like, to and me, Melissa and I both agreed on that as soon as we walked out of the theater. That, that's the only thing that stuck in our head. And to me, that's a bad thing about a musical if there's only one song yeah. in it that sticks out. Like, to me, it's a musical. So, you know, when you watch South Park, the musical, the movie, you, oh, you know, gosh, you come yeah. back, it's like, you know, blame, you know, you're, there's all these songs you, you can mm-hmm. sing. You know, Cannibal the Musical to stay on the Trey yeah. Parker kick. We were watching that last like night. like the Christmas episode of South Park. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, with all the songs. I mean, it's like, maybe I'm spoiled on musicals that are musical things that have a lot of good stuff or a lot of in my opinion good stuff where and then right. you get a musical that's book of mormon yeah you yeah. know i've even seen it but i listen to it and it's great yeah. you know trey parker's uh, G- team america yeah you know i mean even though that's more it's like a soundtrack kind of thing but you know i mean same thing it's like sorry to piss off any sondheim supporters yeah. but uh <laughs> that's my opinion and yeah you know it, uh you know uh, every song in red x is better than anything i've ever heard by Stephen sondheim there you go. And I'm not saying that just because I was in it and Jesse did it and he's sitting right here and I'm using his expensive <laughs> podcast equipment. I'm saying it because I actually believe that. I mean, I, that's, yeah. you know, he's like, hey, you, you want to be in a musical? Like, You be the judge. And then I was like, these songs are like, the day that you play, I'm like, oh, can you like email me these? Because I want to listen to them again. Yeah. They, you know, there's... Uh, They're all on bandcamp.com now. There you go. Go <laughs> listen to them. Or the movie's on YouTube still, right? Or sedulyfilms.com. Yeah. Go watch it. You be the judge. You tell me what you think about this music. Uh, how hard it is to find on here. But we both agree <laughs> on that. Uh, also saw Lucy, which ScarJo, which uh, it was uh, Luke Besson directed. Of course, Luke Besson, Fifth Element, uh, The Professional, uh, all that. Yeah, it's it, it was only heard, like an hour and 20 minutes. It's very short. Very, very short. And I uh, heard there were a lot of things you can make fun of in that movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there is. And here's... I don't think it's bad. I think it's a good story, but mm-hmm. it just kind of went about it the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, and let I me mean, you got Freeman in it. It's it's a good science fiction. And, and not disrespecting Luke Besson because he did The Fifth Element, one of the best science fiction films of the 90s. 
uh, probably my top 15 best science fiction films of all time. Uh, great movie, but I think it needed a maybe a, a better vision for it, for the story. Yeah. Because even addressing it, like when that movie came out all over my Facebook feed, people was, oh, you don't just use 10% of your brain. Like, duh, like, duh, because you, you wouldn't be able to move. You wouldn't be able to do anything. That's just like a, it's one of those facts that, you know, everybody hears, but you don't really believe, you know, there's more to it than that anyway. Of course. But uh, they even explain that in the movie. So, I mean, they're just, you know, it's, it's, it's a good science fiction story told in a bad way. Mm. And it's an hour and 20 minutes. So if you do see it, you're not losing much. Right. Uh, but the trailer literally pretty much shows everything except how it wraps up. Put it to you hmm. that way. But uh, have you seen The Last Hobbit? No, I haven't. Okay, I'll sum it up. It's on my list, though. It's the best of them. That's good. Uh, but to me, when you see them in total, there's no way they should have been three movies. <laughs> like, I, I thought that from the beginning. Right. It, it, they you could and a have, lot of other people. They should have just made it a four-hour movie. They, and here's the problem with The Hobbit. When you look at Lord of the... When you could, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, in my opinion, it's very. It sound it might sound stupid, but it's realistic in the action. It's that not stupid. It's not. <laughs> it's not like video game, Capcom Devil May Cry quality right, action right. sequences. You know, Return of the King kind of went there a little bit, like a sliding down the Oliphant and all that. You know, yeah, but it, yeah, yeah. It, that was like a one thing. You know, like yeah. and they established that he's, he's agile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then you get to the Hobbit trilogy, and it's like over the top shit you see in a Japanese video game, like. Oh, uh, Legolas's father, the dude that played Lee Pace, that was uh, Ronan in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like he has that moose mount, or mm-hmm. as he rides a moose. I'm speaking in MMO terms, uh, but like he he's he's riding his moose, and like the moose with the huge antlers picks up like four five orcs. And he just takes his sword and like one swipe. Wow, takes off all all their heads. It's and okay, one thing like that ain't too bad, but every action sequence in this movie is just so over. It's it's too much. Hmm. it's which it it that's why like I, I didn't get the same feel from this trilogy as i did lord of the rings like lord of the rings it was dark there's a, a huge threat there's you know there's uh many layers to it you know yeah in this one when people die i don't give a fuck do not care like oh yeah okay didn't really matter because all this useless pot line of other stuff when you what I'm trying to say is when you look at it as a whole, as a three-film whole, it's like there's so much stuff that didn't mean anything that happened. Right. And I always remember... I couldn't name any of the characters. Uh, there's too many of them. That's one right. thing bad about it. Like, the whole love story between the dude and uh, Evangeline Lily is so yeah. fucking stupid. Yeah. It's so... Like, that's an entire plot line they could have cut out of the film. Yeah. And shaved, and shaved off 30 minutes. It's all these little things that just add up and add up that make it so inflated that have nothing to do with anything. Hmm. Now... I ain't gonna lie, like, I like over-the-top action movies. Shoot them up is amazing. Yeah, and, it's one of the Blu-rays I have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but again, you go from Lord of the Ring, you go from the Battle of Helm's Deep or uh, Pelennor Fields to Battle of the Five Armies. It's like, you know, you have all this realistic stuff, like, for example, or even in the Hobbit trilogy itself, the first uh, first one, the best part of it, in my opinion, where they show uh, Oakenshield, why he got the name Oakenshield, fighting the dude and all that, like, mm-hmm. awesome, well done, you know. But then, like, it goes from that by the time to the second with the barrel scene. Enjoyable and fun to watch, but that doesn't fit this world. This, like, right. why is all this lethal weapon esque action happening? <laughs> I mean, not lethal, I'm sorry, uh, naked gun esque okay, accidental yeah, stuff. Where's Gary Busey in the rain? <laughs> I wish. Whereas, okay, here's, an, perfect, here's a perfect comparison. The original lethal, uh, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy is like lethal weapon action. Right. Bad, like, 
realistic, quote unquote, for what the world you're in, like not over the top, arrows yeah. behind the back, ricocheting shit, blah, blah, blah. You could buy Where, it. Whereas the Hobbit trilogy is like Naked Gun. Yeah. You know, but over the top, too much over the top. And to me, that just kills it. It's like, okay, every action scene has an over the top moment. So it's just like, it just, it just gets old. It's just like, okay, yeah. Instead of having like some grounded reality action. Again, I'm using the term reality in a Tolkien sense. Not in our Air world. Quotes. You know. Uh, they can't and it's see. just, <laughs> it didn't, again, it's the best because it's nothing but action. Right. And it's wrapping up the story. So this is uh, part two. Wastes a lot of time with stuff that didn't happen in the book. This one has stuff that didn't happen in the book. But for the most part, you're getting the end of the story. You're setting up Lord of the Rings. Mm. Uh, you know, so it builds on that. But the fact remains, this should have been no more than two films. Hmm. Someone's going to make an edit. Actually, somebody did. They made a four-hour cut. I haven't <laughs> watched it yet because I ain't got four hours to spend. Well, that you might know? be the way I'll watch it. But, I mean, honestly, I can't say I haven't seen it, but I, I could see this all three of these films being brought down to at least four to three hours. Four, three hours, three and a half. Like, I bet it could come down to three even. Because the problem with it, there's so much shit mm-hmm. that doesn't that you don't even need to show. Yeah. that it, This does not do anything. Of course, it might have been in the book and you're elaborating it. That's... Fine, I guess, but it should have been maybe two movies and then the director's cuts. Right. Like he did with Lord of the Rings. And as a writer, I'm understanding that right now. <laughs> there you go. Because I've cut a script down. I had it, what, 116, cut it down to 103. Now it's 78 pages. Mm-hmm. That's phew, tons of pages. Yeah. Cut. That's a lot. Just trimming the fat. But uh, definitely worth seeing. Best of the trilogy. Uh, hmm. Great. I mean, it's, again, it's active. Well, there's nothing bad about it. It's just there's... There's too much shit that doesn't matter. What I was about to say earlier, I always remember a quote by Paul Verhoeven on the Hollow Man commentary, mm-hmm. how he's talking about all these scenes they shot, but you know the film is a line, and this scene stops, and then you're going in a circle above the line and come right back to that same point in the line, and the line keeps going. The shit above the line is insignificant right. to the story. Like that meant nothing. He said that's why he said we cut it down because when you look at it, it was just a loop. It showed yeah, some more, shows some more stuff, but. It didn't progress the story. Got to catch it in the script. Cut it out. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, and honestly, The Hobbit shit, it's all about making, they want, it's all about the green. It is. They made a shit ton of money off of making it three films. You think they would have went for um shorter movie, though? At least three shorter movies, because... You'd have, you'd have th- thought that. Yeah, but you the, could fit another screening or two in a day, you know? Yeah. That's, that's more a, money. That's a good point, too. Yeah. I guess they, <laughs> I guess they should all just three films and we'll call it that. Yeah. But, uh... Finally, uh, the hottest movie in America right now, oh, American yeah. American Sniper. Predicted to make forty mil, ended up ninety mil. That's because red-blooded Americans who aren't terrorists go and see this movie and understand that yeah. Chris Kyle was exactly like you see in this movie. No, he wasn't. Yeah, uh, it's the word on the street. Again, pr- let me preface this like much like I did the Lone Survivor review you did <laughs> okay which I, I never saw i i like bradley cooper i love clint eastwood but this is one of the most overrated movies i've ever seen in my life mm. as opposed to the buzz about it etc cetera, etc cetera. okay so this uh, is taking the movie and adding in all real life stuff around it yeah okay yeah and the you know uh if you want to see a fit you know a good sniper movie Go get Enemy at the Gates with yes, Jude Law and suggest. Ray Fiennes and my dad, Ed Harris. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's... here. Okay, I guess let me, for, let me take a step back. I really don't... I think the problem with a lot of these mo- modern war movies, 
Black Hawk Down, notwithstanding, because that was made like years after the event, like mm-hmm. to where it there was a chance to look back at it historically, right? For right or wrong, uh, Lone Survivor, American Sniper. Uh, what are some other recent? I'm trying to think. There seems like there was another one or two. But anyway, th- this is about stuff that we're still doing. We're still going through as a country. Yeah. So to me, it's just like it's it's all propaganda for good or bad. Yeah. Because it's still going on. You, you you go back and look at a movie like Platoon made in the 80s, 15 years after the end of the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. History is you've had through the magnifying glass of history, you've seen the right and the wrong and stuff right. where you can tell. Good or bad, the story. But I mean, the last thirty minutes of American Sniper are entirely fictitious, except the last scene where, like, he's going to the range, All right? You know, because you said you saw it, right? So yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not a bad film, but because it's you know, quote unquote, based on a true story. And did you research it before or after? After, because I because because I, I had no idea about this guy. Because the tra- the trailer for the movie had my heart like boom 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 boom. Yeah. Where he's like, look. And I'm, I'm sure most people have seen it, but he's looking yeah. at the scope with the kid. You right. know, he's like, drop it. He's holding the grenade. He's like, drop it, drop it. And then it's Clint Eastwood directed. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it looks great. Yeah. yeah. He has the same uh, cinematographer as he's had since Million Dollar Baby. And it mm-hmm. looks it looks phenomenal. Bradley Cooper did a great job. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, my, when I was visiting my brother in California over Christmas, we were even joking because he was looking forward to it because he works at Infinity Ward. So modern warfare is kind of a big thing. And he's all into it. <laughs> yeah. He's read the book. You know, but uh, he was kind of telling me how his agent or his he has a friend that was actually his other groomsman in the wedding it was me and other groomsman. The groomsman was Brian. Uh, oh God! Uh, but he was the henchman in the A Team, and he co-wrote it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, the movie version, with Bradley right, Cooper. Right, but uh, right. my brother's telling me a story that Cooper's really because after two years in a row getting shut out the Oscars, he's trying to get this Oscar win and yeah. be an quote unquote you know established actor. Right. Because of course he came from. You know, more comedic stuff and hangover, you know. Making out with uh, Michael Ian Black and in a uh, wet hot American summer. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that, you know. And now, like, you know, he's he's trying to be, he's doing stage, all sorts of stuff. So, you know, right. I mean, he and he is a good actor. So, you know, but this movie isn't bad, but should it even be nominated for Best Picture? Hell no. Uh, Best I'm Director. surprised it did because it wasn't even released to public. Not that it matters with the public. Yeah. But, um, it's pretty rare that that happens. Oh, uh, other movies I was trying to think of: uh, Hurt Locker, uh, Zero Dark Thirty. You know, Hurt Locker was good because we have been in this war for over ten years, yeah. and it was more about almost a war junkie kind of story. Like it, you know that yeah. that kind of made sense in this political climate. You know, mm-hmm. a year after the raid on Osama bin Laden, we have a big budget Hollywood movie about it. Yeah, it's like we don't even have time to process this yet. Right, what this even means for the future. You know, and. Chris Kyle's story is over because, you know, he got tragically shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's just, after watching the movie and then reading the facts, and not just from some random ass site that says 10 things about American Sniper Chris Kyle, <laughs> but <feed>. by <laughs> cross-referencing things and reading, ex- and I actually downloaded the book today, which I do want to read it just to see, you know, kind of to counterbalance the movie we're seeing. And I, actually, yeah. last night I watched some interviews with Chris Kyle and Seem like a good guy, you know, but uh, the big debate that I've heard a lot of people talk about or seen a lot of buzz on Facebook and that kind of stuff is that like, oh, well, he killed 165 people. I guess he's an American hero. But one of the biggest things they talk about in the movie is they really do kind of address that because like his philosophy, was, and he, I think he's right in this, was that this person was going to kill our guys. Yeah. It came down to me killing this person or him killing 
him or her or little adolescent he killing, you know, an American person. Right. And in war, as we've seen from movies like Viet- in, in Vietnam movie, I mean, that, you know, the fir- uh, platoon will tell you the first casualty of war is innocence. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's a, it's a good dichotomy of the needs of the few outweigh the needs of the many. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Excuse me. Had it right. totally backwards. I know so, what you, meant. <laughs> you know, Eastwood did a good job of humanizing him, like in that regard, but it felt like a little rushed at the end, like they were trying to get to an ending yeah. in the film, and the entire quote unquote sniper battle in the movie didn't happen in reality. Okay. There was no like sandstorm but roof you evacuation. Needed, you needed one person, one bad guy. Yeah, you had to have like some sort of like thing, but he felt that way about, and, and you know, he was, he was borderline racist, Chris Kyle was against. Uh, yeah those people i mean there's read his book if you don't believe me i mean that's it's a war you can call them you know like in vietnam all the the chinks the gooks blah 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 that's okay i understand that's war yeah but i mean you know and i was kind of shocked that eastwood didn't explore more in depth the character of him and the 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 whole package because that's what he's that's what i was expecting from an eastwood done movie about you know modern events as opposed to peter berg who did lone survivor that was you know he's basically michael bay light right uh, that's just trying to, you know, patriotism, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, like, and, you know, the movie isn't bad. I'm not saying it's bad, but it was just right. like, it's, A, I think it's too soon for a story like this because you can't help but it be, it, it can't help but be a piece of propaganda. Yeah. For good or bad. But I would have liked to seen a little more character development of the man himself because I expected that from Eastwood to do, to do more of a uh, unbiased, so to speak, or well, there's not so many stories or, about that, like his father threatening Eastwood and Bradley yeah. Cooper, like, you know, don't show him in a bad well, light. Well, so, well apparently like the dude did that for Peter Berg on Lone Survivor, one of the dads. Oh, like, really? threat, like, apparently that's the thing. If they're coming to do a movie, you threaten them that you're going to kill them if they don't oh, represent geez. it well. Of course, that could be all rumors. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it, it's... As a movie by itself, though, you know, since I didn't do any research, I didn't yeah. know about this guy beforehand... It was all right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I would have completely agree with that. Yeah. If you're just watching it as a movie, yeah. it's a great movie. Yeah, it's a good, it's a very interesting movie. Very, you know, well done, interesting. But then you you can't do that though because this is stuff that's two years exactly. old. You can't do that. You can't. And it also affected the storytelling. Yeah, if, definitely. Yeah, because like that ending. That was a, spo- spoil a few things here. Just that look at the end that she is. Like, I was like, like she this knew. is a little, yeah. It was, I was like, does this she is... know that this dude's going to kill him? Because she's like evil eyeing him for like, that was a long scene. Like right. slowly closing the door. Like, it's like slowly, slowly. Uh, Clint, you might want to step in here. Yeah, like cut. <laughs> tell cut. her to do he something He fell asleep. Else. He was like <laughs> sleeping. Like, it'll work. We'll cut it in post. But uh, God, that was too long. And the plastic baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, we'd be remiss without mentioning the plastic yeah, baby. Mardi Gras baby. Uh, in fact, I saw an article like uh, on Facebook. It was like, you know, this million dollar, multi million dollar film can't afford a decent fake baby. Right. And that was like the. I don't think it was the intention to use it because what, what I heard was the first baby got sick and the second baby was a no show. Wow. So. What a way to start your acting career when your parents don't bring you to the set of the Eastwood movie that you're yeah. in. <laughs> Oops. I don't care if I'm a baby, I'm sick. Fucking bring me. Yeah. Baby, mommy. That's like you're not gonna get a chance like that again. <laughs> By the time that kid's old, old enough to realize what, have you what done? happened, Eastwood's My gonna career. be dead. Like I could have been in my hero's movie. Like, yeah. 
no, I'm just some fucking no name. Now he's like, I got that part, but I didn't show up. That'd be like some other people I know took my role. (laughs) (laughs) That was ridiculous. I was like, come on, bring the camera up a little. Keep it it away from the. I wonder if it was just done because that was the best take they had. Could you know what I'm saying? Like, and they just they felt the performance might have drawn your eye away from the the cameraman should have. Brought the camera a little closer. Brought it a little tighter. (laughs) Done something. Yeah. We know there's a baby in his hand. Don't show it. (laughs) And that that ADR sound after he puts it down, like, it starts crying again. Jeez. Like, oh, that's so post-done. It was bad. Yeah. The baby was like, you just forget. Oh, yeah. With that voice again, my wife off mic won't scoot her chair up three feet. I thought that was a little odd how... The last scene, like we're talking I about, know. he has a real gun, pointing it at his wife and children. And here's the thing: I didn't know how he died. Yeah, so was like, I was waiting to see what. <laughs> yeah, like is this how he died? Yeah, I mean, I knew how he died, but it was like, I was see, like, I didn't. So it was interesting for me. Like, oh, he's walking around with a gun. He's gonna, it's tripping, gonna shoot him or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, I that was. Know was I don't happen. know if that that was something maybe in the book that they're saying that's just like what he weird. did on the way out. But I mean, he's like, wait, like, hey, little lady, take off your pants. You're talking to his wife, pointing yeah. a real, it's a real gun. Yep. Now, I'm, now I would, I'm pretty sure it wasn't loaded, yep. but you, you treat every person with guns knows, you treat every gun as if it's loaded. Yep. You don't even point a gun that's not loaded at somebody. How many, you know how many people have died because, oh, it's not loaded. Oh, shit, my kid's dead, and my, life, my life is ruined, I'm in jail. And my wife left and me, that and nobody likes supposedly happened, what, just a couple years ago? Yeah. It's not like it was from the 70s or something. Yeah, I mean, this is an ongoing problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, but that was just kind of odd. But on a, I think one thing that would have benefited the movie too was that they could have left out the whole sniper thing. I mean, not, not the whole sniper thing, but the the, the <laughs> arch nemesis thing. He becomes a businessman in this version. Now, I did read there was like an enemy sniper that had some renown, but it wasn't like they had a sniper battle. Right. And his far, it was so. It's not. Uh, like it's him. They were yeah. looking for this guy. Yeah, and yeah. it was it was almost Michael Bay esque in that part. He's like, "That's an impossible shot, Chris. Don't yeah. take the shot. You're gonna kill us all. It's impossible." I got it. Yeah. And it went to the max pain. I was, I was like, oh, <laughs> please, don't, please don't follow this bullet for a mile. But uh, well, I knew that was coming because they show that in the trailer, don't they? The bullet flying. Uh, really the only slow. trailer I saw is pretty much just him on the roof from oh, the beginning. I, thought, like, I, targeting I don't the remember kid. seeing that clip or something. But yeah, it was... Uh, that part did feel fake. And obviously... Like, it was, it I didn't know, Hollywood. I didn't know it was fake until you told me. So, I mean, and, and of course, they sense. have the symbolic moment where he leaves his gun, tying back to the beginning, where like his father says, don't come back, never leave your gun. And then his last tour, after he finishes yeah. the sniper, he leaves his gun. The ending, um, when the dust arrives. Did you have trouble seeing in that? Yes. Like, especially when shit. he's running. <laughs> like, I mean, I know it's supposed to be cloudy, but I'm a viewer. <laughs> Give me, let me know what's happening. I mean, I could tell that... That odd black large blob was the door. <laughs> yeah. And then... It, was, it that, was heavy. Yeah. It was... It was too... It was... It could have been toned down about 30%. And see, like... And that's... Like, that whole sequence is so... It's like the movie... It's a it's such a drastic change at that point. Because yeah. it goes to Hollywood. Like, it, it that's does. It's like... Shh, heavy The Hollywood. dramatic... Great looking with the sandstorm rolling in. Yeah. You know, then like, they're being sieged. You know, great action yeah. sequence. But it's like... It's, it's never happened. No. This is Call of Duty. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I w- I w- I w- and I bet you in the next Call of Duty game, there will be a similar yeah, type sequence. <laughs> because my brother works there. Yeah, love you him to death. Inside, but so. every single... Co- you can tell what year a Call of Duty 
or what movies came out before a Call of Duty did uh, because by. they will have an action sequence from that movie. The last one, uh, or Ghosts, Transformers Three, the falling building, the chase through the building as it's falling. Trans- oh, really? There were so many. There were some other ones too. I mean, I, I played it once. I don't and forgot it, but uh, <laughs> you can always tell right. what movies have recently came out and they're you're replaying the same scene. Mm. Which makes for a great visual set piece and makes yeah. for a, a fun moment, but you know that that's neither here nor there. But American yeah. Sniper, <laughs> I would recommend seeing it. But again, much like Lone Survivor, any uh, any single any movie that ever says it's based on a true story, go watch the movie, enjoy it, and then go research the real story. Yeah, please. Because you would your mind. There's actually a book called Based on a True Story. I think there's actually a second one where it has like 50 movies. They were based on true stories, and it tells the real stories behind them. Yeah, based on a true story doesn't mean anything. It means, like, <laughs> it is so, like, this one single event happened, and yeah. everything else is fake. Yeah. Or Hollywood. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if this person much. existed, it but they didn't do the anything. Yeah. You know, so. So I was, let's do a screenwriting podcast, and every, not every episode, but occasionally they'll read the first three pages of some random person's screenplay, you know, that someone sends in. Mm-hmm. And someone had actually written based on a true story and like you know this doesn't mean anything. anything yeah it's not even a story that people know about you know you could just put that on your screenplay and just go 300 yeah based on true yeah story. that battle happened yeah and one of the lines in the movie actually happened but <laughs> everything else pretty much didn't happen at I mean, least not in the way it was geez. shown i mean every movie you could throw that on there pretty much jeez yeah rudy like the real story is not as dramatic as yeah. the movie <laughs> still good, you know. It's still a, right. a good story. I mean, he still he, he did get carried off the field, but it wasn't like as dramatic with all the the background injured. stuff happening. <laughs> you know, Cool Runnings wasn't as dramatic right. as yeah, you that know. Definitely wasn't. It's like uh, the real story of that almost ruins the movie because yeah. the movie is so good. Yeah, you know. But a lot of that backstory stuff doesn't happen. That's Hollywood, which it's fine for the movie. Yeah. And again, we're talking about movies that are about events that happened hundreds or thousands of years ago, or at least twenty. So you're not. Like these modern movies, you're not still like processing what's happened. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're still, we still have boots on the ground in Iraq and all those other places. This is a movie about that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's relevant for its time. Mm-hmm. But most movies like that, perfect example John Wayne's The Green Berets. That is a romanticized, far right view of how Vietnam was. Mm. Uh, I took my second to last semester in school was correspondence uh, in high college. And the two correspondence courses I took, one was on Vietnam and one was on World War II. World War II, I knew all the stuff. Not going, I mean, uh, not saying I knew everything, but I knew most of the stuff already because you kind of taught that. Yeah. But in our school system here, at least, all you Vietnam's kind of like a footnote. It like, is. yeah, we went to Vietnam and didn't. Like, I didn't know half the stuff about it. And but yeah. that was the that was the single most interesting class I ever took in college was about nothing a correspondence course about the Vietnam War. Wow. And it was just like. Wow, we fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> like, but of course, you know, whoa, you know, Victor, you know, even though we didn't win, it's like, you know, it's still, that's still pushed back. But then you have stuff like, you have Oliver Stone come along, Platoon, you know, all those moves, Full Metal Jacket, exploring like how that war fucked up America. Yeah. You know, it was done to protect America, air quotes, for those that don't have psychic visions to see what I'm doing. You know, but, and, but you look at the Green Berets, and that was John Wayne's version of Vietnam. Like, we're in there to kill these guys and save our dudes, and we're on the right, and we're going to win. No, that's not the case, bro. And, just, <laughs> and um, sim- like, Zero Dark Thirties telling us, you know, it's telling a story, but it's – that one's actually pretty – not factual in the way that I'm intending this conversation, but, you know, it kind of just hit the beats. Mm-hmm. 
you know. So, but it, but to me, there really wasn't much of a point to it, except the fictional composite of multiple real people in the form of Jessica Chastain. It was just like, eh, okay, whatever. Hmm. But uh, you know, American Sniper is, it's it's. I'm not going to say it's like John Wayne's romanticized version of Vietnam, but I think it is a bit romanticized of Clint Eastwood's idea of. The, as, as they even say in the movie, and other people call him the legend of Chris Kyle. Yeah, the person. Yeah, yeah, not the, the war, the, the myth, so to speak, almost of uh, what he did. And I'm not discounting that he 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 saved tons of lives. And in fact, the best parts of the movie to me were when he came back and they were dealing with that. Like he he feels like he can't save people, which yeah. led him to work with the PS uh, post traumatic stress veterans and disabled ones and all that stuff. Which unfortunately is what led him to his death. Yeah, at the shooting range, you know, which what you know, which they they show the real footage at the end, and that was like kind of like Lone Survivor. Didn't like that movie, but the end where they showing the where they're showing the real people, hmm. that's when it kind of hits you, like, oh man, like, yeah. But you know, go see American Sniper. I recommend it. I don't recommend Lone Survivor because that is so over the top and so <laughs> overly dramatic. And there's two sons. It's just crazy. But uh, it's gonna be interesting. We'll, hmm. and we'll we'll talk about more of the Oscar nominations. Uh, when we get a little bit closer, closer yeah. and we've seen have an opportunity to see more of the nominees because you know it ain't like when we were kids and like there's six nominees now there's ten. Funny enough, this year only eight. Oh really? They went. I thought it was ten. They're allowed ten, but they only, oh, they only chose did eight. eight. <laughs> did like some other movie? So was there such makes... a gap between the top eight that like <laughs> this movie only got like hundred votes? So we're not like, gonna. Does anyone have any other ones? <laughs> no, just the eight's good. <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason, ten, 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 and then this year eight. For whatever reason. I don't know. I'm hoping Budapest. I haven't really heard. Yeah, that's kind of a surprise that it's I even was, made the list. Because I was so far back. Yeah, I was ecstatic. I got so many nominations because uh, I like Wes Anderson. Yeah. But that film was so, just so good. And I it didn't was. think it was going to be as touching almost as it was. Like, it was good. Mm-hmm. Like, good, good. Like, you know. In a good way, it was good. Yeah, uh, just didn't expect it to be as amazing as it was, and yeah. vi- and visually as well. I mean, he always does a good job, but I mean, such a great film that truly deserves that honor. Uh, he might win. I don't think he'll win Best Picture because of you know all the, the politics. Yeah, he might win Director. I'm thinking uh, Birdman dude should win Director. Uh, or maybe actually they might give it to the cinematographer that they will because of the it's about camera movement and everything yeah so the, the cinematographer will probably take that one which i don't even see that on the list but yeah um that's where it comes yeah cinematography birdman for sure still yeah. a, that is one of the most phenomenal pieces of film but we will have our picks i'm sure in the coming weeks yeah it comes out they don't come out till march so or the oscars are until march so we'll hit it, uh, wait, February it before 22nd then. right oh really yeah, I don't. I'm bad that. with dates. You know that. <laughs> yeah, February twenty second. Okay, before before we'll we'll be getting as we Oscar get closer. Sunday. We'll have our little Oscar preview. And so I guess see, February nineteenth. We we'll have something somewhere around there. Yeah. But uh, next week, in recognition of our winner of our hundred character contest battle, mm. we will be looking at some of the films of Sylvester Stallone. Ah, not Rambo himself, since we did. <laughs> I think. Look up Rambo 3 real quick on IMDb. I don't, was, was that in 89? Or was that like the early 90s? 88. 88. Okay. We can still do Rambo 3. But uh, what our next couple of films are going to be the 80s Rockies. Uh, 
We're going to do Rocky uh-huh. three and four. Those were actually the only two in the 80s was Rocky three and four, which arguably the best ones aside from the first one, especially four. Uh, but we will do a re- on next episode when we do three, we will kind of just briefly touch on the first and the second. But of course, we'll go in depth on the third one. Of course, that's the one where he fights Mr. T, a.k.a. Club Lang, the forecast for next week's What about podcast. Rhinestone? Oh, with Dolly Parton? I don't think so. We gotta at least play him singing the country song. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll do like a one of the episodes. We'll do a quick uh, visit. Yeah, a, a short revisit. Yeah, I saw that movie one time on TV, and I've never seen it again. Although, uh, I've only heard the clip of him singing, so I haven't even seen it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, everybody, thank you for listening. Jeez. Check out Crocodile Dundee 1 and 2 on Netflix, and check out uh, the other films that we recommended, and don't check out the ones that we didn't. I think you'll thank us. But until next time, everybody, I remain Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Go Bungo, you know? Facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on Twitter at awesome pods.